Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed Podcast. Hey, we appreciate the fact that you clicked on this episode to listen. Uh, and so, man, if you enjoy Amazing Perplex, would you consider doing us the favor of going to the app that you use to listen to podcasts and giving Amazing Perplex five stars? That just helps us and, and possibly helps more people discover um, what we're trying to do here. And not so that we can, you know, get really cool, rich and famous off a of Christian podcast because that happens every day. Um, but just so that more people will maybe be able to encounter the word of God in a healthy uh, and loving manner, which is what we're trying to do. So if that is you and you would feel um, called to, to give us that review, we'd really, really appreciate it. So today we're looking at Psalm 2, uh, the second Psalm. Uh, and so just asking, just a reminder, uh, as you listen to this, be asking God, what, what amazes me about this? Uh, what just kind of blows my mind? And man, I've never thought about that that way. And what perplexes me? What's a question? What's something that confuses or uh, makes me feel like, man, how does that fit? And so uh, just read along with me. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So, Jason, what amazes you? The thing that, that I, I it, it's how God presents himself in various contexts is always, um, and, and there's a perplexing piece of this, but it amazes me um, how well-rounded he is. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like this dynamic of, of um, he is he's in touch with global things, and he's in touch with the minuscule things, like his eye is on the sparrow. He knows how many hairs on your head. And then he's also contending with these big global dynamics. You know, sometimes, especially in the New Testament, in the Gospels, it's almost like you hardly notice Roman oppression because Jesus doesn't talk about it much. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You have a few little things. Mm-hmm. There are other people that are stressed about it, but he just seems like it's irrelevant. So you'd almost get the idea that God's not really paying attention uh, to the to the big things, he's so involved in, and even with the big things, he doesn't know the president. He knows the president's the president, but he thinks of him like our present president. He thinks of him as an individual first, and then his role second. But simultaneously, he's war. He's he's aware, rather, he's aware of all these geopolitical things. And he's aware of all this, and and just the dynamic of him being so. Sometimes we get the sense because we so want to lean into his grace, which is absolutely true and unbelievable. Um, and by unbelievable, I mean totally believable, but beyond our imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, but we forget he's also a God of justice. And and there's the definitive, there's this definitive part of him that when somebody says, I'm going to fight for power against you, he's like, 
do you get it? Like you're, you're, I see you, I do, mm-hmm. but you're not a, you're not in competition. And see that that's the other part is when I feel like God doesn't acknowledge the whole, you know, these big nations and, and all this and the political dynamic, I sometimes feel, um, I don't, I don't know, not like they overpower God, but, but I interact with people all the time that they're like, they're so afraid because of the government's doing X or Y and God's up there just scoffing. You know, anytime a, a person in power doesn't submit to God, they're they're in this parable. Even the power I have or you have, you know, that we're like, oh, we don't need you. And and there's a part like, we'll take over here. And God's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I could bust you like pottery. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And, and it's this, me, man, how um, so much of the story of the Old Testament and, and the, the, these stories here, it's relating how a certain segment, um, how a certain person in these circumstances is relating to their God. And so you have David. I'm not exactly sure when the psalm was written. I don't know if it's before, or after, during his um, during his his reign as king. But it's so fascinating to see in the mindset of somebody who how they how how David here is viewing how his God works is on this scale. And and it's it's so um, it is it is always fascinating with David when you see these massive. Um, this the the words that he uses here to describe God, the way he presents God, um, and it's just this total hundred percent um, firm foundation belief and firm commitment and firm uh, like covenant like it, like you you get the sense here that like the 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 David that we see here describing this powerful Almighty God, um, if you were to tell him some of the ways like or if you were to be like hey you remember when you did this or hey you're gonna do this in the future like it just seemed impossible to me um, and so it, the amazing thing. For for me is that David can describe these rulers, the, these rulers who oppose God, who stand against God. Um, and David at some point will also be that, that same ruler. David mm-hmm. at some point will also, maybe he hasn't at this point, or maybe he will in the future. And, and so it, it's just this thing that I, I, I <laughs> it's just this, this fascinating call, even at the end, like it, it's led to at least this call where it says, therefore, therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and celebrating and celebrate his rule with trembling. Um, it, it's just fascinating that this would be, um, at least in David's eyes, something that was really important to God, that this would be something that um, in, in this day and age is something is a way that he wants to commune with people as he wants to how he wants to communicate to people is through these kings through these leaders uh, and so man it, it's just a fascinating view into how and i think it can inform a lot of when we read through first and second samuel how david views god and how david views his relationship with god um and i would just love at different points i would love to hear david reflect on 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 this on this psalm right and here's the other part i would love to sit down with david and read the the gospels and then have him go look at his psalms. <laughs> I just wonder, you know, because again, you know, I'm, I'm you know, when when uh, I think it's Peter that's writing where he says all the all the prophets were all the writers were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know, what I mean, so they don't know they have a sense of words they're writing, but they don't know necessarily the import of it. And um, I just wonder, you know, what I mean, what that would what that would be like to read those with him, knowing the answer to all this. As I read this text, one of the things that really is perplexing to me, and it's kind of the flip side of what amazed me, is the harshness. Um, and it's this is where context and poetry really you have to keep in mind. You know what I mean? He's not talking to every person, and he's not talking to people that are saved. You know what I mean? The corollary, because I said earlier, which is not quite true, that, that I move into the role of being a king when I use my power 
in a way that's oppressive and I try to throw it off. And, and I don't mean to say that's the exact same. I just mean to say, I don't want to distance ourselves. Oh, those kings were bad, but I'm so good. You know what I mean? Because I think that's the and, devil's and, temptation. And, what you're, and ultimately, when you reach for the power in the same sort of way, like God's judgment does come against you. God's, yes. You know, yes. Right. But I'm in a place with no condemnation. So what God, what, what God I believe would do is come along and discipline me. Yeah. And like we were talking about last episode, and prune me, you know, as long as I'm willing to stay, you know, with him and yes. continue to follow him. Um, but at face value, um, the strength that he's talking about is shocking and it is scary. I mean, in a, in a, we've been in several generations now where because of the overstating, no, that's not even the right way to say it, because of the fire and brimstone preaching, the absence of grace, the absence of acknowledgement that the Holy Spirit actually works in you, because we're in these, we're several generations of grace, um, and, and I love that, but but it's like we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater with respecting God and recognizing how powerful. And he used that word trembling in this in this translation. And I think of, of Philippians 2 where he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, the very next verse, which we often neglect, is for it's God who works in you to do and, and, and to fulfill his will in you. So in the, in the we, we just lack appreciation for how powerful this new covenant we're part of is, mm-hmm. that our relationship without God is even if we're not uh, sinful, we're enemies of him. You know, that's what Ephesians 2 talks about is, and it's not that these people are all shaking their fist in God's face. It's simply, if you're not saved, you're in an opposing position to God. You know what I mean? Because he has no sin. And so really, it's so good for me to internalize this, but it is perplexing. It's hard for me to put it all together. And that's the perplexing part is to accept he's 100% mercy and he's 100% justice. Sure. And and I think you mentioned it. The important part to remember is this is how... David can construct the like what the idea of of God's justice looks like. This is this is David trying to make sense of um, of how God's judgment plays out in the, in this very specific circumstance. And so this again is always very important when we talk about poetry. And I'm glad that you pulled that out. Uh, for me, the perplexing thing is is David almost seems like one of these rulers already. Like David comes off as so like. Like the things that he's attributing to God saying, it's like, you know, like this is my, this is my boy. He's doing like, it's like, it, it seems so self-serving, um, I think is, is the wording that, that I would, um, that I would want to say. And so it, it's just perplexing to me. Um, it's it's so funny because I know there have been times where like I, I talked about justice or I talked about man how serious it is when God talks about how um, how when you're in power and you use that power to belittle or use that power to uh, to push forward your desires and your motivations and and your will over His will and and ultimately over. Um, over the people under you and are clearly, you know, the new Testament takes very seriously, man, the people who would put them, the people who feel called to leadership in the church, how, how much, a, how they have a even higher standard, um, I know standards may not be the right word, but they have a high, like a higher bar to reach, if you will, in this specific, they will have a higher bar that they will be judged by. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's just endlessly fascinating to me, this, this dynamic at play. Cause I, like, I remember the first time I heard, I'd heard somebody preach and you hear somebody preach on humbleness. You hear somebody preach on, uh, on loving your neighbor or whatever. And then you find out that person didn't love their neighbor last week or that person's not super humble. And it's like, what, like what in the world, what are you talking about? Like, that's mm-hmm. completely crazy. That's, that's, it's ludicrous. Like you're, you're not like, you know, like how can you extort these things and then directly go against them? Like two seconds after the service is over. And so it's just fascinating to me, this dynamic at play that like, I want to be like David 
this seems so self-serving, right? This seems so um, self-aggrandizing. That was the word that I was looking for. Uh, and, and, ye- and yet, and yet, man, there is truth here. And there, there is truth here that I go, man, like before my amaze was kind of like, it was along similar lines, but now I'm like, I, I, on the perplexed side, I'm like, how does David not, how how does this you know how does when David abuses his power is there an, is there an internal cringe or is he like oh man like I I, remember I wrote that I, it's all just so fascinating to me how um like when you here's you, when you see how David his picture of what the judgment of God looks like in his context man it begins to make sense of of how David goes about his life and how how David goes about like his ruling as a king and you think about like even early on when he's like winning all these great battles and like you he just you know just seems like man he's really in step with God and he's really in step with the Lord but then he he's installed as king and then he starts doing dirtbag things and he you know I, it's just it's ultimately so fascinating to me that um that like we said before in poetry poetry is trying to describe something you know describe something that we can't quantify um and the way that david has lived out his life is in this violent um warring culture and so this is how he has to relate what he's perceiving to god and so that that's just fascinating i think now I, i'm I'm going to compare poetry to poetry here, but it's interesting when you when you hear the idea he's going to crush it with this iron rod and like broken pottery and this kind of thing. That idea of brokenness, I, I think we can hear it as, oh, he's going to kill the person, he's going to decimate them, he's going to ruin them. Uh, in, in later on, like after David sinned with Bathsheba and then he lost the child after begging for the child's life, um, he writes, you know, Psalm fifty-one, and you know, we we you know that the. the that whole song of, you know, restore the joy of my salvation and all this is there. But before that, he says, um, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoiced. So this is an example. Now, it's still metaphorical because his bones aren't physically broken. So there's the poetry piece. But this is an example of him receiving what he what he foreshadows, if you will, or says in Psalm 1. The irony, though, or rather not Psalm 1, but Psalm 2, and, and the irony is... The, in the writing, it seems like he thinks he's above this. Mm-hmm. And I think he thinks he is at this point in time, you know. But after he seasoned, assuming, I, I don't know the chronology, you know, of this, if this was prior to Psalm 51, but it makes a lot of sense if it was. Mm. And then he comes back and, and he's not drawing the direct lines, or maybe he is, and, you know, just leaves the, the for us to figure out. But that idea, he's like, he'll crush you like pottery. You know, and mm-hmm. then he's like, "I've been crushed," <laughs> like I, I, I am that guy. Oh man, that that's that 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 is beautiful symmetry. And I think about like this refrain at the beginning: "Why did why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain?" Uh, and it, it just it, it speaks to me almost of like a leader or of a person who is just is bewildered at the at the situation they find themselves in. They're bewildered at like um, that that they can't believe. Like you've been in, if you've been in leadership at, at your work or at church or in any sort of role, you'll be like, man, what? Like I just don't understand how these people don't see it. I don't I don't understand how they perceive events in this way at all. And that's almost what it reads like to me is like this, this bewilderment that David has that, um, that these other Kings that they're, they're not seeing it. And it's so fascinating to me when I think about like for David, his perception is like, well, I've won all these great victories. And so how could you not see, how could you not see that, that my God is, is this, is this God? How could you not, um, 
how, how could you not uh, bow down and worship? And so it, it, it's just, it's fascinating. And especially it is almost like a, um, it's a really humanizing piece where like you wonder what was the frame, the mindset that David was in? Did he feel alone in this moment? Was he frustrated? Had he tried to lead in a particular way? And it was just kept getting stymied, kept getting blocked at these turns. Um, and he was, was he trying to make sense of, of all these hard geopolitical decisions that he couldn't figure out that he kept on trying to do the right thing. And it didn't like, you just wonder what was, what were the events that led, hit, led to this? Uh, Cause I'm not, I've never been a poetry writer, but I imagine if I, if I was like, I, and I was like going like, okay, I'm gonna go write poetry. Like I would have to like, it, it almost has to be like something that builds up over time. And so I just love mm-hmm. to know the course of events um, in David's life that led him to, to having this, like, was he in a, um, like was this in a in a season where he was just he was really struggling with leadership? Was it a season where he was um, super proud of what he was doing? Like he felt like he'd accomplished a lot. It, it's just there, there's so many questions that I wish I wish I knew more of. I, I totally agree, and I I think too. You know, it's interesting because when I read this, I'm like, okay, the the new leadership in Afghanistan or the new leadership here or there, and and that I think that's relevant. But he's talking about Philistines. He's talking about Moabites and, as you alluded to before, the great brutality that existed between them. You know, it wasn't enough just to win an election. They had to, you know, do these amazing things. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's really important to remember the difference mm-hmm. in context there. So I, 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 I kind of have a, a question that I wonder here. So this is like we talked about and touched, I've touched on many times, probably too much in this podcast. This is the way that David is, is relating to God and, and this is how he's experienced um, how how he's making sense of the experience that he's currently living and and the reality of 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 what God is doing in his life and in his people's life and in through the whole world. And so I just wonder has there ever been a time for you where you something something happened to you somebody said something about you something um came up where you like it, you couldn't fit what God was doing into a box that you had that had previously worked right it's like for both of us like neither of us like i mean you were in the army but like you said before like you weren't really in active combat you weren't you know you're you're not a like super violent person neither am i except for the you know except for the street boxing that i do all the time (laughs) um no i'm just kidding neither of us are are super violent people and so this is something that we did that just doesn't necessarily speak to us and so i'm just wondering is there something um is there ever been a time for you where you had a similar sort of experience where you're like, man, there's this aspect of what God is trying to have me lean into where like it doesn't fit into the categories that um, that I've previously conceived? This might sound, I don't know how this is going to fit, but this is what stirs in me when you think about this. I was so, and, and you may, this may take a minute, you know, to me connect the dots in my crazy moving brain. But I was so anti being part of the church in any significant way that um, it just was terrifying to me to think about being in, in ministry at all, you know. And so there was this, there is this dynamic to me that, because yeah, I like that framing, I'm just going to say it in my words, where, where Dave's looking out in the world, he's hearing from God, and he's putting it together with words he understood, and was like, this isn't right, and here's the right thing, you know? And I wonder even sometimes, because there is this give and take in Scripture, um, and I, I'd have to think through, how does this fit in poetry, you know? But but that give and take where God will say something, you think about Moses, God will say something, Moses is like, well, wait a minute, can we do it this way? And God's like, okay, you know what I mean? Because the way I read that is God's wanting 
Moses to grow, and that's part of growth. And I think that happens to us all the time. We just don't think about it because we're not having audible conversations necessarily. But it's that idea of this give and take. And I think it's fascinating that God would let him write this, and then he becomes it. And so for me, I was a super big critic of all ministers and churches. And I worked with this mission program, so we're getting all these students from all these different churches, and we train them. And I was like, why isn't the church training them? You know what I mean? Why do we have to do this? You know, kind of thing. Then we, they, they'd go off to a mission point, and many of them were really found a lot of purpose in that and this kind of thing. Then they'd go back to churches, and then oftentimes they wouldn't engage in the work of God anymore. You know, they had this small time in their life, and they just weren't engaging. Some of them not even attending church or not being part of a you know, community of faith, this kind of thing. And I, I had this sharp, sharp judgment. And then I become a minister. So I, I, it's like me. I would write Psalm 2. And then as soon as I write Psalm 2, God's like, Psalm 51's on the way, brother, you know, because I'm like, how dare you? Because I've had that in my mind. How do I do this well? And then I've realized there's so many limitations that I didn't have when I'm with somebody 24-7 and we have a specific purpose that, that's like over our head all the time. We're, pra- we're training to be a missionary, you know? That's very good. And in congregational ministry... You're, you're having a million different motivations. Even if you only have 100 people in the church, you've got a million different motivations because everybody's differently motivated sure. different days. And so it's, it's really hard. I mean, I wish Jesus would have ministered, like been the minister to church for just six months of his life, and I could hear those stories. <laughs> yeah. uh, because the different when he's working with the 12, he's attentive to them, but to the, quote, congregation, he's always like, you don't want to be here? Fine. Mm-hmm. you know. And there are lots of days that every minister would want to say, you don't want to be here? Fine. And, you know, we don't want to be controlled by our paycheck, so we're trying to speak the truth, and yet, wait, God led us here, so there's all these balances here. But I do feel like there is this dynamic of, it feels violent to me, in my own spirit, of transitioning from being in that place where I had the luxury of being this critic, Mm -hmm. and now I've got to take responsibility for stuff, and I've I've been at Memorial, if I'd only been here two months, I'd be like, well, it's not my fault, it's the previous guy. Yeah. But I've been here 18 years, so it's like, well, part of this is on you, you know? (laughs) Man, I love the, I love how the framing you used just a second ago of like of of god allows david to write this and he, he it's so important to him that he um that he make he entrusts it and make sure that it, it lands in his book and and then david becomes that and, and i think about man how like if david were to write this you know at different stages of his life even these ideas of, of the wrath and judgment of of how god takes so seriously um, and his his people and his kingdom and how serious it is when rulers use their power to subjugate and to make less and to mo- make mockery of God. Um, and I think about, man, there are points that points in David's life where, man, it would almost like right now it, where David seems, it almost seems to be like a pom- almost a pompous, like, you know, like I'm doing this. And so you guys really need to watch out. At another point would have been a more pleading, would have been a more like, you know, coming from a place of like, hey, I, I've been where you're at. I've been in this specific um, stage of life. And, and I think there's so much grace that that God allows both of these things to be seen, right? Like it would be so easy. It's one of those things where I think people are like, um, you know, there, there's this, there can be this fear where you're like, man, I don't know what to do because this seems like a violent God. And like, well, how, like this, this seems like it's con- contradictory to all these other things. But man, when you begin to like read all, like all the scripture and you see all these ways that people relate to the God of the universe, it, it lends itself to being even more believable because you're like, if we were trying to make like a coherent absolute view of God, we would want to like, and and we want to do it. Like we'd want to take stuff like this out. We'd want to make sure that it didn't like, wasn't a part of things because it just muddies the water. And so for me, this, this, this is so beautiful that one, (laughs) that one, um, 
when David is really pompous and really arrogant, not that, that maybe this is a moment, maybe it isn't, that God doesn't just like stop, you know, he doesn't stop him in the moment, but he allows himself to write these things, allows himself to carry it out. Um, and I, I just think about the power um, of, of if God, if it was so simple where like if, if there was a moment where David had like, had just arrived like if say we didn't know of anything of david's life and then he just arrives as king and you skipped over all the bad stuff um and you're like hey i did some bad things in the past and it, it didn't work out it wouldn't really be as meaningful but now that i'm reading this i'm like okay do i need to do a better job um of being more thankful for these sort of things where i can go man um I am so thankful that is that it is important enough in God to to allow this to allow the before and after, if you will. So it's hard to wrap up, but that that's that's kind of what I'm trying to think through here. Yeah, and I think it, what you said. I just want to reinforce this a little bit. There's nothing about this that's not true. I believe this to be true of God. I believe this this is part of God's functioning, and this idea of God is multifaceted, and God is beyond our understanding. And this is this is to help us understand how serious this is. But you could also have written this psalm from the perspective of where Jesus is weeping because the people won't respond. That's a part of God too. You know what I mean? So both these are true. That same Jesus would, would be like, "Look, if you're going to stand up and because God, it's like <laughs> it's it's like it's like a baby talking to a grown adult. Just let me stand up here and I'm going to kill you. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're not even you know." You're just scoffing because it's so ridiculous. And that's that part of God that's like, you guys are abrasively, directly, you know, saying no to me mm. and like you're going to take charge here. And it's just, it's just silly. It's preposterous, you know. Mm. Now, but you could have told this from the perspective of it breaks God's heart that you're so disobedient because that's true too. Mm. You know what I mean? And there's going to be consequences to your actions. I wish you didn't experience them. And he does that. He, he does say, my son is coming. And you're now, this is, of course, messianic to them. But it, I mean, it's messianic to us, but it's in the future to them. But it is that idea of saying, I'm offering a solution to this, you know, even though they wouldn't have picked it up in the first reading. So I, I just, I, I want to make sure it's clear. I believe this. I believe this about God, mm -hmm. that he has every right to do this. And, but it's being told by David in a way that resonates because he's dealing with Philistine kings who slaughter children and, you know, all this kind of sure. stuff. Yeah, I think that that that's really important. Like, it's important that we get down to okay, what is the kernel of of what David is talking about? The idea that man, like, like God does take these, these things seriously, and that if you turn away from Him, there is judgment. There is, you know, there is a firm iron rod, or or have, however He puts it. And so, I I, I think. You know, it, it can be really easy to see all these things and, you know, lose the forest through the trees. Um, but it also be super simple to be like, well, like we have to focus on the on the exact you know details. And it has my experience has to line up exactly with David. Um, and I think that the point that we're trying to really process and work through is that the reason we David, the reason that, that God, pers uh, the reason that God um, keeps all these different encounters and all these different experiences and all these different poems in the book of Psalms is because they're like where all our encounters with God are always going to look different in some sort of way. Um, there's going to be a lot of through lines. And there's going to be a lot of similarities, but how we feel about them exactly and how they um, relate to us in our day-to-day -day life is, is going to look different. Um, and this is one of those beautiful ones that would have probably related to a lot of people back then. And it's something that we get to struggle with now because it's not as, um, it doesn't seem as, 
um, open to us nowadays. And I think that even I sensed it through for me and as I'm, I was kind of struggling to put it into the right context and struggling to get my, my brain around it. But I think that's, this is good. Like even if I wasn't like super, I don't know, if I didn't come off as like really intelligent in this episode, I think it's good for me to struggle through talking about how I feel about um, about this sort of thing where like it doesn't match up with my experience where um, I can't 100% identify with it uh, and not being like well this is a weird one talking about you know war 25 you know however 2500 years ago or whatever and I can't really relate to Middle Eastern warfare um, you know in the in the in the cradle of civilization so we're just gonna we're gonna skip that um, but uh, there is I think a lot of um, a lot of there's a reason that God has allowed it to continue today, and so yeah, I'm, I'm glad we talked about it. I want to thank you for listening to the Amazed and Perplexed podcast. Uh, as always, we encourage you in two ways. Uh, number one, we'd love to hear from you. What are questions you have? What are things that you've explored that you'd want to share with us, or things you'd want to hear us explore? Uh, and then also, we encourage you to share uh, this with others, uh, both directly, but also you accomplish that when you uh, go to the app that you use for podcasts and, and rate us top rating, you know, five star thumbs up, because uh, that really blesses us to be noticed by others, because we really want that dynamic of having comfort and engaging the Bible in a real way uh, to just go as, as far as God will let it. And you can be part of that. So just grateful to you. Grace, peace and love.